Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. He'll join us. He and his students just took a trip back east, visited Under Armour and the NBA and some other companies. We'll hear about that. Also, we'll get Paul's thoughts on a unique idea by the big Shaktis. Shaquille O'Neal dunking for Haiti. Could it work? We'll discuss in segment three. In segment four, one of my favorite guests that we have on this show on a regular basis, Charles Robinson. He's the NFL reporter for YahooSports.com. We are going to talk about the NFL playoffs, but we're also going to talk about the very likely scenario that there's going to be a work stoppage in the NFL. And the even more likely scenario that 2010 is going to be an uncapped season, something that we've never seen in the NFL. What does it mean to have an uncapped season in the NFL? We will explain that with Charles Robinson. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. You can link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. At SB Radio is my Twitter handle. Joined in studio by Bobby Corser and Nathan Roach. Guys, I finally, this past week, and I think it was the only person in the world who hadn't seen it, I finally rented Hangover. It was, it was pretty good. It was, you know, everyone hyped it so much that... It didn't quite live up to the hype, but it was pretty funny. All right, here's the deal, Brian. You should learn this by now because I think this has happened a couple times with you. When a good, funny movie comes out and people start buzzing about it, go see it immediately because otherwise everyone's going to ruin it because of the hype. But it's a, it's a fantastic movie. The ending of it is phenomenal. The beard dude is really funny. Oh, Zach Galifianakis, amazing. Is that what his name is? Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he was very, very funny. All right. We've got lots of headlines coming up. Like I said, enormous ratings once again for the NFL on TV this past weekend. Vikings, Cowboys, wow. When we tell you what those ratings were, uh, you'll be amazed. And then another big star in trouble with the law loses a big endorsement deal, and it's not Tiger Woods. Who is it? We'll tell you. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. 
sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. This is Sports Business Radio. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NFL continues to see huge ratings, even though the NFL games last weekend were pretty non-competitive except for the Jets Chargers. Cardinals Saints got a 17.9 rating. That's up 5.3% from last year. Colts Ravens gets an 18.7. That's up 18% from last year. Vikings-Cowboys pulls the biggest number of the weekend to 23.9. That's up 14% from last year. And then Jets-Chargers pulls a 23.1. That's up 7.9% from last year. Nathan, basically all you need to know is for Vikings-Cowboys, Jets-Chargers, there were roughly 34 million people tuned into each one of those games. Those are enormous TV numbers. Well, and I think that uh, if we see the Vikings, uh, if, if we see the Vikings Colts in the Super Bowl, you're going to see some numbers that you probably have not seen before. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, you've got household names in Manning and Favre, you've got iconic quarterbacks, and really the Super Bowl is about getting uh, the casual fan involved. And the casual fan knows Brett Favre. The casual fan knows Peyton Manning. So I think that would be the best-case scenario for CBS. You know, some people would argue, well, if the Jets are in, it's New York market, number one media market in the country. It's a great Cinderella story. A lot of people would say, hey, New Orleans, if they're in there, it's a great comeback story after Hurricane Katrina, Drew Brees, Reggie Bush, household names, exciting players. So I still think, though, Manning, Favre, would be a recipe for probably the highest-rated Super Bowl of all time. I agree, and I think that this is unique in that if you do have a New York market, I still think that if you've got the Colts and the Vikings in the Super Bowl, you're going to get better ratings than even with the Jets. Our next headline, NBC has set a 14.0 primetime household rating guarantee for the Vancouver Games. Several Olympic sponsors, including U.S. sponsors like AT&T, Procter & Gamble, they bought significant advertising time on NBC. And basically what this means is if they don't get a 14-0 rating in prime time, they've got to refund money back to their advertisers. Now, some people would go 14.0. That's not a huge number as far as Olympic numbers go. But it is a big number for a prime time show. Well, and keep in mind that this is the winter games. This isn't the summer games, which generally draws bigger ratings. So what NBC's really got to hope for is Bodie Miller to be in every race and and the running and Apollo Anton Ono and those household, household names. Otherwise, they could be in some trouble. Well, they're already in trouble because they're projected to lose $200 million from these Olympic games. They haven't sold out all of their advertising. If they've got to refund money... Because they don't make good on this 14.0 guarantee, it is going to be downright ugly for NBC. 
as if it's not ugly enough with the Leno and Conan uh, tiff. Debacle. Yeah, they may be paying $40 million to, to Conan to go away and go into uh, hibernation for a year. All right, our next headline, look for some ownership changes in the NBA ranks soon. Longtime Pistons owner Bill Davidson passed away last year. Former Pistons minority owner Oscar Feldman this week confirmed that Davidson's wife Karen is preparing to sell the franchise. She's consulted with NBA Commissioner David Stern. Her minority partners agree with the decision to sell the team, and that is now in motion. So that could happen, and this story comes from Bill Shea of Crane's Detroit Business. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., longtime Wizards owner Abe Poland passed away recently, and Washington Capitals owner and minority Wizards shareholder Ted Leonsis must soon decide whether or not he's going to exercise his first right of refusal to buy the Wizards and Washington Sports and Entertainment, which also owns the Verizon Center where the Wizards and the Caps play. If he doesn't decide to exercise his option to buy the team, then that team will go up for sale. So, you know, as we've said many times, lots of changes, I think, this year in ownership ranks, not only in the NBA, but also in uh, Major League Baseball, the Texas Rangers will probably have a new owner soon. Tom Hicks is going to be selling them. And some of these owners, A, can't afford the teams anymore, but B, we're seeing situations where some of the owners are getting old, they're dying, and their families that are left behind don't want to run the team anymore. Well, and Michael Jordan's name for a while was thrown around uh, earlier with the Washington Wizards, but he can't afford it on his own. So he'll have to get together a group of people if he looks to buy the Wizards. Our final headline of the week, Adidas says it has dumped longtime endorser Washington Wizards guard Gilbert Arenas after Arenas pled guilty to felony gun charges. Arenas had been with Adidas since 2003. He was really one of the central points of their basketball marketing campaign, along with uh, Tracy McGrady, Kevin Garnett, and Dwight Howard. Now he's been removed from all advertising. You won't find him on the Adidas website. And, you know... It's funny, when Arenas first came into the league, he was a second-round pick. He thought he was underappreciated. He really beat the drum about, hey, how come I don't have any endorsement deals? Then Adidas stepped up. They made him part of the campaign. Now they say bye-bye. And I think Arenas probably won't have any endorsement deals when he does return to the NBA court, if he does return, which probably won't be this season. No, it won't be this season. I doubt it at all. But I, I think I disagree with you. I think he will get an endorsement deal from someone. It's not going to be Adidas. It likely won't be Nike. But someone is going to endorse him, maybe even a Reebok, even though it's a subsidiary of uh, Adidas. I think someone will sign Arenas. Well, I think what they'll do is they'll give him shoes to wear, but they're not going to pay him. Uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I could see him getting paid. I don't think so. We'll, uh, we'll agree to disagree on that run. Okay, coming up next... We've got Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. He's going to tell us about the trip he and his students just took out east. They saw Under Armour and the NBA, some other companies. And we'll also talk about our new sports executive series that we have coming up with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? 
Probably none. <laughs> Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday, <laughs> or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. I'm happy to be joined by Paul Swangard, the Managing Director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, how you doing? I'm very well, Brian. How are you? Good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. So you and your students just took a fascinating trip out east to the east coast of the United States. Uh, who did you see? And uh, tell us about the trip. Sure. It's 12th year that we've actually uh, done this study tour, which uh, comes on the heels of taking the kids over to China in September, a trip that you've uh, participated in in the past. And this was really the original one in the Warsaw Center curriculum designed to uh, allow the students to engage with you know many of the senior leaders of our uh, our industry. So we started out on uh, D.C. Baltimore, did uh, the NFL Players Association on the eve of the uh, oral arguments at the Supreme Court for the American Needle case. And for any of your listeners, certainly something to uh, keep an eye on as it has uh, huge implications not only for the long-term uh, you know, business of uh, professional team sports, but also in the short term how the uh, CBA negotiations will go with not only the NFL, but also with the other three major professional leagues. And then uh, ended over up in Baltimore uh, with Under Armour, which, uh, you know, is for those of us on the West Coast, you know, we get our, our, our fill certainly of Nike, Adidas, Columbia Sportswear, and all the other firms that are based in Portland. But uh, Under Armour certainly uh, an up-and-coming brand, you know, really uh, created a category in performance apparel and uh, had a chance to interact with the chief operating officer and even ran into uh, Kevin Plank along the way, though he had to get over the fact that a bunch of kids from Oregon uh, were in uh, the offices of Under Armour. There's a little bit of, uh, I think there's a little bit of uh, inner school rivalry between the uh, the Maryland-based uh, uh, Kevin Plank and the Oregon-based uh, Phil Knight, so that was kind of fun. Did your students uh, sport the swoosh at Under Armour, or did they know better than to do uh, we, that? You know, we, we're fortunate. We've, we've learned some lessons uh, over the years of uh, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, so we, we, we try to go brand agnostic, and uh, that, that tends to work out pretty well. And then up to New York, and obviously, uh, you know, really a, a featured part of our program, we host a group of about 50 senior executives for a luncheon each year, and then uh, over to ESPN, where the topic really began to surface uh, one of the trends that we were talking about a lot on the heels of the CES announcements from both the hardware and media uh, players was the you know the rollout of 3D uh, sports technology. So we talked about ESPN, who's planning to you know show 85. Uh, live events in H uh, in 3D uh, in the next uh, 18 months, and their rollout of a 3D sports network. We uh, then went to the NBA on Thursday, and from you know Deputy Commissioner Adam Silver to the team and international side, you know the the discussions continued to sort of focus on emerging markets and new technologies. One of the interesting usage models that we we sort of centered on, I think. Uh, you know the issue with 3D 
sports television, obviously, as we've all gone out and bought a nice new HD flat panel in the last couple of years, and the adoption curve of this new technology with new sets being required to get the uh, programming is going to be uh, going to be a little bit of a challenge, certainly in this economic environment. But you know, the NBA was talking about using 3D technology in uh, the infrastructure of digital theaters, which are already showing 3D movies. So you could imagine it's kind of like going to the old. Uh, and you might correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but in Portland you could also go to the you could go to the Paramount Theater and watch Blazer simulcast games years right. ago when they yeah. were sold out at the Coliseum, and we're almost getting back to that version of uh, sort of these extension opportunities to go to uh, a place that you could congregate that's not a sports bar but a digital theater and potentially being able to offer a 3D version of the programming, and you can imagine that might be kind of interesting in the U.S., but also think about it in in foreign markets like Europe and China where, you know, you've got all these uh, uh, emerging NBA fans, many of whom can't really touch the brand in a live-action way, but here's the technology that um, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, Brian. I've had a chance to see it a couple of times. It's uh, it's a pretty amazing uh, experience to watch a game in in full 3D. You're you're really really in the middle of the programming, which is uh, which is quite uh, quite amazing and and quite attractive, I think, for the hardware and the programmers out there. I'm a little bit skeptical about the mass appeal. I think it's a great novelty. I think that it's you know again incredible use of technology, but the mass appeal of it. The jury's still out in my mind a little bit. And, uh, you know, then I wonder, I, I have turned on the TV a lot lately and seen a lot of empty seats in NBA arenas, and now you're giving people another venue to watch NBA games. Are you cannibalizing your product? Are you taking people away from arenas and saying, hey, go to a theater and watch us uh, on 3D? The Blazers model worked because you couldn't get a seat to a Blazer game, so it was overflow capacity. Yeah, and, and I think that's the long-term question. And, you know, a lot of the discussion we had, even with folks who weren't involved with specific leagues like the NHL and others, is, you know, centering on, you know, this whole notion and argument about where are the best markets uh, for, you know, teams and franchises to be based and where, um, you know, where stadiums have been built out to such a degree that you have sort of excess capacity. And I think even the, the Blazers would share with you in the midst of their renaissance and, and being able to fill a building that seats uh, nearly 20,000, if they had to do it all over again, they probably would have had that building scaled down just a bit and, you know, be able to benefit, as you say, from that, uh, you know, that over-demand for tickets and, and creating that scarcity is something that just makes good economic sense because you're always going to be able to fill that building. We're joined by Paul Swangard. He is the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, I have not had a chance to have you on since all of this Tiger Woods news broke. And we've had lots of discussion on the show. On our Portland show, we've gotten lots of phone calls from listeners. Give me your take on this. I mean, obviously, I think it's safe to say we're watching the demise of, you know, maybe the most lucrative athlete of all time. You know, he, he's he's fallen in, into the biggest crevasse that uh, we've ever seen in sports marketing history. I mean, I just think we have uh, a hard time looking at any other person who was uh, as high and as fell as far. Um, you know, there's there's lots of different you know veins to this story. There's you know the the unfortunate you know fact that he's uh, 
you know, been involved in this. You know, you're sad for his family. You're sad for, um, you know, you're fat, sad for the sport of golf that had such an iconic star that, uh, you know, for the most part seemed to be um, an upstanding citizen. And yet, you know, he, he he actually didn't do anything illegal. So, that you know, the type of transgression that he had, you know, a lot of marketers would argue he's he's potentially able to recover a lot of that lost equity over time. I think that, you know, the next six months are really going to be a fascinating period to watch. We, we certainly have seen all the non-endemic sponsors, AT&T and, and uh, folks at Gillette and others who are, are certainly distancing themselves from him, Accenture. Um, and then you've got the core sort of endemic brand to golf in, in Nike that's standing behind him. And, and obviously Nike has, uh, you know, whether it be Michael Jordan or uh, Lance Armstrong, has had to deal with certain types of issues of this uh, this kind before Kobe Bryant, Kobe, Kobe Bryant obviously the the most uh, recent, and um, you know I think they're smart. I think they probably are thinking that uh, you know using Kobe as the example that once he was able to get back on the court after the issues and the allegations in Colorado and was able to score 88 points, there was a there was a core audience who loved Kobe for what he did inside the you know the painted lines of an NBA arena that. Um, didn't care about all that other stuff. And, and in international markets where, you know, as, as you well know, Brian, you know, you go to China, and, and I was struck during the Kobe situation that a lot of people in China didn't even know he did anything wrong because of the filter that is on some of the news coverage that happens in other parts of the world. So, um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, he's certainly damaged goods. It's, uh, you know, it's been interesting how proactive, uh, you know, Nike up through uh, Chairman Phil Knight's uh, statements about this being sort of a quote-unquote blip on the screen in the in the long term uh, of, of Tiger Woods' brand. But man, it's uh, as you said, just a, a remarkable change of events. And, and we're really only talking about, you know, two months ago when right. this uh, when this all occurred, right? Uh, yeah, it seems but, a lot longer than that, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know, I, I was joking with some of the members of the press that I met with back in New York last week. I guess, you know, thank goodness for, for Jay and Conan, because uh, it yeah. has given uh, T- TMZ a, a little bit uh, different type of scandal to focus on. But, you know, there's still paparazzi trying to get him, you know, uh, you know, blurry pictures that look like Loch Ness monster photos at, uh, you know, some Mississippi sex right. rehab. And, um, you know, there's certainly going to be a, uh, you know, a, a a focus on him, quite honestly, from a lot of non-traditional sports media, and uh, you know, I just hope he takes care of what he needs to take care of. And uh, and again, uh, you know, just sad uh, uh, as you well know, Brian. You know, you got you got young children involved, a, a wife, and uh, and there's you know, I know these guys have been put in the public light, and they give up a lot of their you know their personal space because of that. But uh, you know, I'd like to think that maybe we could all give him the benefit of. Uh, trying to focus on the family for just a little bit and get uh, get his house in order. We've got just a few minutes left. Interesting story this week. Interesting idea. Shaquille O'Neal says, let's do the dunk contest for Haiti. Raise money for Haiti and let's get the old school guys. Vince Carter, let's get Kobe Bryant, and let's get LeBron James, who had said last year he was going to dunk in Dallas, but then he wasn't on the list of participants released by the NBA this week. This has a lot of different levels to it. Paul, we've got just a few minutes left, but what are your thoughts on how this could work? Uh, you know, I think it's an interesting idea, you know, on a couple of levels. I think the initial uh, reaction across uh, the NBA fan base for the current crop of slam dunk contestants is sort of okay. 
That's kind of interesting. And there was this pent-up excitement about the possibilities of certainly LeBron being involved. Um, it, it fits into a couple of the cores of, of the NBA, their whole NBA Cares platform. Um, they have an infrastructure, as we've seen with technology the last uh, week or so in the wake of Haiti, where people have been able to text to a number and donate $10 on top of their cell phone bill. Well, many might realize or know that Sprite, being the naming rights partner to the slam dunk competition, has actually allowed fans to vote in the slam dunk competition by text message. So, you know, you could link with a existing partner, Coca-Cola, that's got a you know global interest in uh, in other markets. You have the ability to bring in your marquee players and bring attention to what you know was going to be a spectacle event. The the spectacle really is Sunday, where they're going to be playing the game at the new Cowboys Stadium. The game, uh, the events on Saturday are actually just happening at America Airlines. But um, I don't know if you agree. I just think it would be a, a really creative way to tie in. Um, you know, the, the the NBA's ability to have a meaningful impact in a part of the world that, uh, you know, you look at the pictures, I mean, we're all just, uh, you know, we're just struck by the, uh, you know, the amazing um, amount of damage and, and people's, uh, you know, lives and livelihood that have been affected by it. And if the NBA can help and the players can get behind it, I think it would be a great uh, and authentic way they could show their support. I certainly agree. I hope it happens. Unfortunately, I think the egos of, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and Vince Carter, none of them want to be the loser of the competition, and I just don't think they're going to do it. And and that's the unfortunate part. I hope I'm wrong. Hey, Paul, before I let you go, we are signing people up. If you live in Portland, if you're going to be in the Portland area, February 18th, we're going to be doing the Sports Business Radio Warsaw Sports Marketing Center Executive Speaker Series. Uh, our first attendee, our first speaker is Larry Miller, the Trailblazers uh, president, used to be uh, with the Jordan brand. He's been with Jansen. Very much looking forward to uh, working with you guys on this event. Yeah, I think it's a great addition to our programming here at the Warsaw Center and, and great uh, another way that we can team up with you. been a longtime supporter of what you do out of the Portland market. I think it'll give folks a chance to have uh, the opportunity to benefit from some of the access that y- you and I and, and the rest of the folks involved in these two outfits are able to uh, have with the sports industry. We're doing it at the, the recently renovated White Stag U of O Portland Center. It will be a, an intimate gathering. We're, we're limiting the number of people that will be there for this breakfast event. The format's going to be much more interactive where we're going to try to have just uh, conversations with our guests rather than just having them uh, espouse their wisdom at the front of the room. And we'll also, you know, be trying to involve uh, some of your uh, your listeners from outside the area who might want to get some uh, some questions in front of some of these thought leaders. We'll try to do uh, a few of them each year, and uh, I think people will be impressed as the program uh, gets running, just the, the caliber of people. And whether you're in the sports industry or you're just interested in it, um, you know, these guys can speak to so many things. I mean, Larry you know, would have a take on everything we talked about today, redevelopment in the uh, the Rose Quarter District, uh, the power of, uh, of icon brands like Brand Jordan, and, uh, you know, he's actually got a pretty good taste in music, too. So uh, I think it'll be an enjoyable, uh, you know, morning session and a chance to uh, get involved in some of the stuff that we do. And you can register and purchase your tickets. They're $35. Go to warsawcenter.com or sportsbusinessradio.com, and you can link to the Uh, site where you can purchase tickets. Paul, great to catch up with you, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's the NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. You can find him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brian. So the conference championships are this weekend. The TV ratings thus far, not only regular season, but the playoffs have been just incredible. What do you think would be the most compelling Super Bowl matchup? Well, I think... Everyone wants to really see the marquee matchup of, you know, probably Brett Favre and Peyton Manning. I, I, I understand that, you know, the Saints, they're a great story, but, you know, for the most part, even though Drew Brees has gotten himself, you know, into the point where he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the league, I still believe Brett Favre is, is the larger, more iconic draw. I mean, you're talking about the guy who will, you know, when he retires, he's going to own virtually every passing record the league has and then Peyton Manning probably by the time he retires in you know five six seven years he's going to own every you know uh, record that the league has as far as passing statistics go and I, I think a second Super Bowl for either player actually would be an accomplishment I think the one thing about Brett Favre you know we talk about all the numbers and the greatness you know people still talk about why didn't he win more than one Super Bowl and, and thus far obviously Peyton Manning uh, great career, I mean, unbelievable career, but still has that one Super Bowl, and you know, he'll always be measured against Tom Brady, who obviously has multiple multiple Super Bowls. And the Jets are a good story too, but I don't know that people will tune in to watch the Jets. I, I just think that um, even though it's a New York team, I still think there's just not enough glitz really around that team. I don't think that they uh, capture national attention the way that a Peyton Manning and a Brett Favre. Uh, do the Super Bowl is still about big players? Um, it, you know whether the game's great or not. People will tune in to see the stars, and um, you know that's really what what tends to last when you talk about past Super Bowls. We remember the great players, and not necessarily the great game. No, I totally agree with you. I think the Super Bowl is about household names because you're trying right. to attract the casual fan. And Brett Favre, Peyton Manning are household names. Let me ask you this: I've said recently, last few weeks on the show. With the demise of Tiger Woods, I think that Peyton Manning is the most marketable athlete in any sport, and I think he's the safest bet. Would you agree with me? Uh, yeah, he, uh, he's definitely up there. I mean, the, the one thing about Peyton, you know, not only is he great statistically on the field, I mean, he, he's fantastic for the game of football. He's got, you know, a great working knowledge of the history of, of the NFL, um, extremely smart player. But, you know, away from the field, I mean, he's he's almost a revelation. He's funny. I, mean, I think anybody you talk to, I, I can't tell you how many locker rooms I've been in 
where he'll have a new commercial coming out and players will be kind of laughing and joking and, you know, talking about how funny he is on commercials. And you don't get a lot of athletes who are really commercially successful to the point that they have that crossover appeal, that they're very humorous, you know, to a wide audience. My mother by no means is, is an NFL football fan, but she knows who Peyton is and she really likes his commercials. I mean, you know, I, I have friends who still talk about his Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Opinion, you know, where he did so many funny, you know, the, the the fake United Way commercial, you know, was one of the things that people still talk about. And, um, yeah, I, I'd say that, you know, at this at this stage, I, I think he needs to do, I really believe that he needs to do a little bit more in terms of, um, I, I guess, securing that, that sort of dominant resume. He's got a Super Bowl. He's, he's got, you know, the statistics, and that's great. But part of the reason why Tom Brady's respected the way that he is in the NFL is because of the fact that he's won three Super Bowls. And, you know, in the NFL, look, championships, those endure. They really do. And, and not that Peyton Manning wouldn't. But we loved, you know, John Elway, and he did all those things in the field and the arm and all that. But, but John Elway really didn't reach the apex of his career until he finished it with those two Super Bowls. And I think adding another Super Bowl, I think, heightens who Peyton Manning really is. And come on, you know, if Peyton Manning's in the Super Bowl, you can't tell me that we won't be peppered with Peyton Manning commercials you know, from all the, the big endorsements that he's signed. So it's it's definitely one of those moments where he's going to showcase that crossover appeal. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's the NFL writer for Yahoo Sports. You can find him online at yahoosports.com. Charles, this week, uh, New York Giants president and CEO John Mara says he believes the owners and the NFL Players Association are moving further apart. He says, I don't think we're making any progress. They want a deal that is equal or better than the existing one. That's not acceptable to us. It sounds more and more like we're looking at an uncapped season next season and that we could be headed towards a work stoppage. What are you hearing? Yeah, I think that's going to happen. I really do. I, I You know, uh, the Chicago Bears uh, player representative, Robbie Gold, obviously who's a kicker for the Bears, you know, came out and said this week that, hey, look, um, they want us to give back 18% of our cut of, of the, the revenue pie, of the revenue pie, and that's you know that that's not 18 percent of the overall revenue pie. That's 18 percent of the players' cut, but that represents a heck of a huge piece. And and of course, the NFLPA saying, okay, you want us to give that back? We want to see your books. We want you to crack it and and show us how much money uh, you know football teams are making. And I think players have gotten to the point that they realize that you're talking about franchises that are getting you know, upwards of $100 million a year just from the TV money. So, of course, players are going to sit there and say, how could they possibly be losing as much money as they say they are? They're not losing money. They're just not making as much as they would like. I think, you know, that's really the issue at hand here. Owners want to maximize the amount of money that, that you know, the amount of revenue and, and, you know, revenue after taxes that's going into their pockets. And it's interesting to me. I think, you know, I went through the last time – you know, the issues with the extending the CBA and all that a few years back, I think players are far more educated now than they were at that time. I can't tell you how many players I talk to now who have been in meetings, you know, guys who normally you wouldn't expect to hear throw numbers at you who say, hey, you know, I know 1% of total football revenue now is, is around $160 million. That's really, people need to realize that the NFL on an annual basis is a $16 billion a year business, and 1% of that total you know, revenue produced by the NFL is about $160 million. So 
for teams to say, hey, we want to take back a couple points off that revenue. Well, you know what? Three points, that's that's $480 million that's being taken out of the coffers of players in the long run, and players just simply don't want to surrender that. So just from the standpoint of, I think, the leadership uh, you know, with NFLPA, making sure they're getting that message out to players, I think that's going to harden the stance for the NFLPA. They're going to have players now who are going to be willing to say, you know what, fine, work stoppage, they want to lock us out, fine, we'll be locked out, You know, we've got our war chest, we'll see how, go, how long this goes. I ultimately think, though, the, you know, the guys who can make out in the long run, it will always be the owners. Even if they don't play in 2011, the owners still get that TV money. That's still, you know, tens of millions of dollars right into their pockets. And you know what? There's no operating costs in that situation. So they're, they're actually making out more if they don't play football in 2011. Now, will it hurt them in the wrong run? Yeah, probably will. But, you know, I, I'll say this. Players have dug in. I think they're ready to go, and, and we'll see ultimately what happens. But, you know, the, the, the talk and the rhetoric, I think, seems far more legitimate now and not just, you know, posturing and, and sort of setting a negotiating stance, which is really what it, it felt like when Paul Tagliabue, you know, was, was sort of setting things up a few years back when they extended the CBA. Charles, educate our listeners on what it means to have an uncapped season. The NFL has never had an uncapped season. Right. What does that mean to the, the layperson listening to this show? Well, it, it means a couple of things. I mean, it means that, that, you know, any NFL team can go out there and spend whatever they want on free agents. There's nothing restricting them. They can, if Daniel Snyder wants to spend $250 million on his roster next year, he's free to do that, whereas now – you know, that's not the case. Everyone has a hard cap. Uh, you know, everyone has to adhere to that. But there's also no salary floor. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of fans, you know, don't realize is right now, uh, you know, teams, there's a floor. There's about, you know, uh, what, roughly, I want to say off the top of my head, around $90 million that NFL teams have to spend. They have to get above that that number in order to, to uh, you know, meet the requirements of the current collective Bargaining. So just like the Florida Marlins got slapped by Major League Baseball last week because they didn't meet that floor, that same thing exists in the NFL is what you're Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. Teams, teams it's, not a, it's not an option. You will be fine. You have to make sure that you get to the point where you're above the salary floor. But if there's no cap, there's no floor. So if you're an NFL owner and you're saying, well, shoot, I'm getting all this TV money, why do I have to blow out my salaries you know, on my roster to, to stay competitive if I want? I can field a team for $50 million and then, you know, put the $100 million I get from the TV contract in my pocket, minimize my operating expenses, and then also, you know, obviously I get my cut of the gate. Um, you know, not having a salary floor can be very profitable as well for owners. You know, players, I think, in their minds, they think, well, there's no salary cap. That's great for us because now all, you, all these teams go out and they're going to blow all this money well, the reality is, no, there's probably only three or four teams that are really going to spend well above the salary cap, and you're going to see quite a few more teams spend below what the salary floor would have been. And then, you know, one other thing, too, that, that obviously impacts fans, you know, unrestricted free agency changes. Now you have to have six years in the league as a vested veteran to become eligible for an unrestricted free agent, and we'll see that impacted this offseason because a lot of the marquee guys that would be unrestricted free agents, we're talking, you know, hey, you want an offensive tackle? Marcus McNeil would, out, would be out there. You know, Sean Merriman would, would be out there, obviously, at, at the linebacker position. You know, Vincent Jackson 
as a wide receiver, and, and that's just off the Chargers. You know, Elvis Doomerville, you want a pass-rushing linebacker, he'll be out there. You want a quarterback, Kyle Orton will be out there. All those guys, all those guys have over six years as vested veterans, so they're going to be restricted free agents, which means teams will slap them with a restricted tag, which will say, hey, if you want to come and sign them, that's great, but you're going to give us a first-round pick in compensation or whatever we assign to this player. So um, it, it's going to significantly alter, obviously, unrestricted free agency. It will not be the bonanza you know, that people are, are sort of used to in off-seasons. You're going to see a very, very lean uh, uh, excuse me, free agency period this off-season. Interesting. Hey, before I let you go, we've got just a few minutes left. Pete Carroll leaves USC. He goes back to the NFL. He's with the Seahawks. He's calling all the shots there, just like Mike Shanahan is in uh, Washington with the Redskins. How do you think Pete Carroll's going to do this time around in the NFL? Well, <laughs> this will be, believe me, this will be a, a situation that, that everyone will be watching. I mean, sure. Pete, uh, you know, to, the one thing about Pete that I think is probably overblown, it's not like he had an utter lack of success Um you know, in his previous stints in the NFL. I think Pete's problem was that he just never had that total overall authority that he wanted when it came to, you know, getting the players that he wanted. And, you know, this is really going to depend on, you know, Pete Carroll's coaching staff. And, you know, he's still assembling that now. But, you know, the mark of a great coach is the ability to go out and, and really capture other great coaches and look no further than, you know, the, look at the New Orleans Saints. You know, I, I just spent some time in New Orleans and, Sean Payton's ability to give up $250,000 of his own money, turn over his entire defense to Greg Williams, is absolutely one of the, I think, maybe even the number one factor in, in you know, why the New Orleans Saints are, are probably considered the favorite to win the NFC Championship and, and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. So Pete's ability to build a staff will be key. I don't think there's going to be any problem with motivation. If you saw his first press conference, that's who Pete Carroll is. He's a very energetic guy. He's a very forward-thinking, positive-thinking guy. Players will respond to that. And, you know, we'll see. When it comes to talent procurement, that's going to be interesting because he can go out at USC and every single year recruit the 20 greatest blue chippers. It's going to be far different in the NFL, obviously. But with no cap, and we just talked about that, having Paul Allen as your owner, someone who's you know got tens of billions of dollars to spend, probably helps. Yeah, I used to work for Paul Allen in the Blazers, so he's got a lot of money, and uh, he wants a championship and a ring, a Super Bowl championship, so uh, I think he will go out and spend the money. That'll be interesting to watch for sure. Charles, thank you so much for joining us. You can find Charles online, terrific stuff, at yahoosports.com. Thanks, Charles. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. 
With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. So Boost Mobile has drafted some of the 1985 Chicago Bears to star in a Super Bowl commercial that's going to air during the upcoming Super Bowl. Nathan, who's going to be in the commercial uh, from that 1985 Bears Super Bowl winning team? Well, the man, Jim McMahon, Willie Galt, and Mike Singletary, are they going to recreate the famous, as you just heard, Super Bowl shuffle song, and it's going to air in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm excited. I'm a Bears fan. I remember that. Even though I was five, I remember that. Here's the question, though. Like you just said, you were five. A lot of the people using Boost Mobile are kind of the younger audience. I wonder... If they'll look at these guys and go, who are those guys? I know Singletary coaches the Niners. Wait, I didn't even know he was a player. Do you think that people will recognize Jim McMahon and Willie Galton? For the record, I'm a huge 1985 Bears fan. I loved Walter Payton. I loved Ditka. But uh, I don't know that the young people of today will recognize that team. See, I think they'll put some sort of spin on it that allows people to make that connection. I think a lot of even young people know about the 85 Bears and uh, they'll make that connection somehow, I'm sure. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. Charles Robinson from YahooSports.com, their NFL writer. Fascinating conversation about what we're headed towards with a potential work stoppage and with an uncapped season next year. Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors... The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, Morton's a Steakhouse, and New School Media Coaching, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can follow me on Twitter, at SB Radio. Go on to sportsbusinessradio.com, register for our event on February 18th. Blazers president Larry Miller. We're doing this in conjunction with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. It's in downtown Portland. I think you'll enjoy the format of the event, and it will be a lot of fun to uh, meet some of our listeners face-to-face. For Bobby Corser and Nathan Roach, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Malouf. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. Saturday. That's why you're a smart business person. <laughs> or at sportsbusinessradio.com. <laughs> 
Greg Oden of the Portland Trailblazers supports the Ronald McDonald Houses. I'm a big fan of the houses. Happy to help them make a difference. He helps because he believes every hospitalized child should be near their family in tough times. And everyone can support this home away from home. When you purchase a McCafe Espresso drink or premium roast coffee, McDonald's donates a portion of proceeds to Ronald McDonald House charities in Oregon and Southwest Washington. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. A little change can make a big difference. 